Greetings, greetings, greetings. Today we're going to get into chapter 16 of a Benny's song written by P. Jelly Clark. Last chapter, chapter 15, we left off where Abeni almost got snatched up by the wish song. The song that the witch priests' peons use in order to attract vulnerable minds to their process. And because Abeni is still young, she's only 13, her mind was susceptible to the song that was being played. The same song that dragged away her peers. This is the second time she almost got pulled in by that song. Remember the first time the old woman saved her and then she got to live with the old woman, Asha, when she was the old woman. And um, this time it was a young girl who came out of the shadows and gave uh, the spirits the roots that she needed to stop her from being pulled in, hypnotized by the witch priest's agenda via song. So the question is, how did this young girl not get hypnotized by the song in the ways that all the rest of the children got hypnotized? What's different about this girl? Is it because she has access to the herbs and the roots that she helped um, save Abani with? But how will she even know? Because the song plays at night while children are sleeping. And it comes in and it, it sees what the, you know, the dreams or whatever, and it puts what they want right in front of them. Abani, the most, the thing she wants the most, her parents her mother, her father, her, her her dad. I mean, her mother, her father, her aunties, her uncles, her brother. Man, she saw them. Of course she was going to be drawn. That's what the song is telling her. That That's that, um, people call it brainwashing, but it's not brainwashing. It's brain snatching because <laughs> all you can see is what that song is is telling you. It's hypnotizing. It's putting you under a spell. It's not unlike... I, I can't help but tie a lot of this stuff into what goes on currently. A lot of the music that plays in certain demographics tells about all these... All this unnecessary... This, there's a difference between abundance and excess all these videos, all these too much, too much. Don't even need all of that. But if that's what you wish, if that's what you want with your full heart's desire and somebody's singing about it, it's going to pull you in. It was pulling a Benny so hard, she told Asha she hated her because Asha didn't want to let her go. She was fighting the spirits who had been by her side through this entire journey, she was fighting them and told Asha she hated her because the witch priest's song was putting a spell on her, her whole mind. So thank goodness whoever this young girl is came out of nowhere with the roots and the herbs 
that I guess knocked her out, put her to sleep. I'm not sure. But let's see what happened. Albania awoke to stare up at an earthen roof. For a moment, she wondered if she was back home. But no, her house's roof was made of straw. This wasn't the old woman's house either, and it was so small. She struggled to sit up. Her head throbbed terribly, and her mouth tasted bitter. Turning, she saw Asha sitting cross-legged beside her. The little girl gave a tiny smile. She smiled back, but her smile slid away as she stared about. Looking through a large opening, she saw that it was morning. And this wasn't a house at all. It was a small cave. There were things scattered on the floor. Pouches and bits of dried plants, a few bowls and cups, even some blankets that might have been colorful ones, but which were now worn. Her eyes fell on Naomi and Zania, who sat inside the cave as well. But what held her attention was the person she didn't know, yet still recognized. A girl, short and stout, with round cheeks that reminded her of Fomi. She sat at the back of the cave, chewing on a bit of bread. You were in my dreams, Abeni murmured. You weren't dreaming, the girl replied. Not dreaming. Memories of the past night came back in a rush, making her bolt upright. That she regretted as her head began spinning. Asha put out a hand to steady her, but Abeni blinked past the dizziness, focusing on the girl. Who are you? Where am I? I'm Damju, the girl answered. You're in my cave. Do you recall last night? Abani nodded slow. There was a song. Not just any song. It was the same song she'd heard the day her village fell. The song that stole away all her friends. She remembered everything from last night. The song calling to her, sounding so beautiful in her ears. What it had shown her. How badly she wanted to answer. The only reason she hadn't was she looked to Naomi and Zania. You stopped me from going. I got so angry I said things. She turned to Asha, horror-stricken, Oh, Asha, I'm sorry. I didn't mean those things. The little girl offered a slight smile. I think the song made you sick. Abani put a hand to her forehead. It was like she'd been another person. Your friends tell me you've heard the song before, Damju said. Abani closed her eyes, trying to clear her head. She could still see her mother, her father and brother, her aunts, all calling to her. I didn't recognize it, she whispered. It was like hearing it for the first time. Damju nodded. The song can be like that. It is tricksome. 
Abeni's eyes flew open. How do you know about it? This mortal is from the village, Zania said. She's told us what has happened to their children. What almost happened to you? The girl bit off another piece of bread, chewing before talking. I call it the wish song. I know about it for the same reason you do. The wish song came one night, drifting through our village. It only woke the children. It was the most wonderful thing we'd ever heard. It showed us things and called for us to follow. That was how it took all my friends away. It pulled our greatest wishes from our heads and made them real. Everyone saw what they most wanted, calling to them, and they followed. I saw my family, Abeni said, but they were never here, were they? Damju shook her head. That's what you have to remember. The things the song shows you aren't real. When you realize that, it loses its power over you. Abeni buried her face in her hands, unable to hide from the visions. It had all felt so real. She looked back up to find the girl still staring at her. If this wish song took all of the children of your village, how did you escape? Damju smiled crookedly. My wishes are a little harder to see. Abeni gave her a curious look. Only then, noticing the girl's brown eyes, she'd been mistaken. They weren't looking at her, not the way others did. You can't see, she said in surprise. You're bright, Jamju replied dryly. I can't see like you. But I see in my own way, shapes mostly, and light. I could hear the song that first night, but I don't think it could figure out how to make me see the wish. Whoever cast it doesn't know how to see like I do. So I was able to resist it. The other children couldn't. What happened to them, Abeni asked. Damju shook her head. I don't know. The song took both my brothers that night. The families with children too small to have been taken all left the village right after. My mother was afraid the song would come for me again and sent me with them. I stayed away for almost a whole harvest season, but I couldn't leave my home behind, so I came back. She spoke through gritted teeth, and I learned how to deny the cursed song. Abeni looked around the cave. The girl had been living here, all alone. Why haven't you returned home then, she asked. Why are you out here? Damju's face tightened. Because of the monsters. Abeni stared at the girl, then looked to the others. She says monsters come each day to her village, Naomi explained. They're led by the one who makes the song. The scary one you told us about. Abeni felt a coldness grip her insides. The man in the goat horn mask?
she whispered. He's here? Damju grimaced. We call him the Goat Man. The Goat Man. The name made Abani shudder. She had come seeking information on him from Asha's sister, but she'd never suspected he'd be here. She felt lightheaded as she took it all in. When she spoke again, she struggled to make her voice calm. Has he brought other children here? Children from other villages? Damju shook her head. I can't say. I only know his monsters come each morning to gather what's left of my village. They are made to work for him through the day and returned at night. What kind of work? Abeni asked. I don't know, Damju answered. But it's why my people sent me away. There are no more children in my village. If the monsters found me there, if they thought my people were hiding me, everyone could get in trouble. They left you out here alone, Naomi asked, horrified. That's terrible. That was terrible, Abeni thought, but it explained why the villagers had stared at them so oddly and why that man who looked like a chief had made them leave. Damju shrugged. I'm not completely alone. My mother visits. She brings food and water. I don't think the rest of my village even knows I'm here. Who are these monsters? Abeni asked. Do they ride on giant bats? Are they made up of shadow? What do they look like? Damju smirked and she realized the silliness of her question. I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking. People often don't, the girl said. I don't know anything about giant bats or things made up of shadow, but I can tell you that the monsters are very big, very tall. She paused, her round face thoughtful. Why didn't the song work on your friends? It only took you. There was an awkward quiet. Perhaps we just didn't believe it like you say, Zania said finally. Damju thought on this, then she shook her head. No, there's something about you three that's different. The light around you, it's all wobbly. Zania's eyes narrowed. Naomi seemed startled. Asha only gave one of her knowing smiles. Abeni looked the girl over appreciatively. Maybe she saw better than they thought. It seemed this wish song didn't work on spirits. She didn't think they even heard the song the same way. Before anyone else could speak, there was a rustling of grass from outside. They all turned at once at the sound. Someone was coming. Okay, so we find out that the girl that saved Abani this time around is a blind girl. She doesn't see in the way that the other children of her village see. And so the, the spell can't tap into her visions and create her wish to make her follow the wish song. Because it can't see what she's wishing for, what she, what her deepest desires are. And so that has kept her safe. Her supposed, um, what would I call it? Not cripple, but 
her what do you, what is it called if somebody has <laughs> um birth defect I don't know what the right word is but it saved her and so it's funny because she might not be able to see but but she can see like shadows and she can tell if somebody somebody the light around a person so the light around the spirits is letting her know you're not a regular mortal wow that's actually powerful she got like being blind for her ended up being a kind of superpower it's kind of dope um but yeah it's things have not gotten better since they um made the decision to continue their journey they could have stayed in the valley in the veil of lost things but what what could they accomplish there and they had things they had a journey to go on they didn't know what was going to happen when they found Asha's sister and early on in her lessons I remember Asha as an elder let her know there are going to be some things that you try to accomplish that may be impossible, but you won't know unless you try. And her lesson was be willing to try. So that's what she's doing. She's really, really, truly growing up. She's making adult decisions. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy and everything's going to fit into a picture-perfect puzzle. Mm. So now here they are in this cave with the blind girl and somebody's coming to a spot. They're, they're not, even the blind girl, even though that's her village, she's not supposed to be there. All the children who were not, um, who didn't succumb to the wish song were taken away from that village by their parents. So she, and she was sent along with them. So she's not supposed to be there. So now hopefully some hopefully nobody found them. Nobody who would harm them has found them. Let's see what happens. Danju jumped up from where she sat. It's my mother. Mama, I'm here. Danju, a woman's voice called. I thought I heard you talking. The person who appeared crouched at the opening of the small cave went still staring at them in surprise. It was the woman from the village, the very one who had given them food and water. She looked each of them over before turning to her daughter. Damju, what are you doing with these people? I met them last night, Mama. The wish song, it came for them too. Damju's mother didn't reply. Coming into the cave, she laid down a bundled cloth and unfolded it to reveal bowls of food, and a gourd of water. As she spread them out, her eyes shifted uneasily among the other four girls. You didn't heed my warning, she scolded. We were tired, Auntie, Abeni said. We couldn't go any further. Mama, Tamju spoke up. The song took the children of her village, too. The woman's face softened before turning hard again. We've lost much ourselves. 
What's happened in this place? Zania asked. Where are your children? Damju's mother released a long breath. <sighs> I'm sure Damju told you. The wish song came one night and stole them away. All except my Damju. They've become lost to us, our children of night. Abeni went stiff. What did you say? That we've lost our children, Damju's mother repeated. You called them your children of night. Where did you hear that? Damju's mother looked up at her and frowned. I do not know in truth. But Abeni knew where she had heard it. Asha's sister's words that had been in her dreams. He has taken the children, taken them from me, the children of night. They had also been the last words of the scrying pot. Beware the children of night. All of it was coming together here. In this place. Have other children been brought here, she asked, by the one who plays the song, this goat man. The woman nodded slowly. He has led other children here. Some stay. Others he sends away, though I cannot say where. Abeni's heart beat faster. Could her friends be here now? And these monsters, Zania cut in, what about them? The woman's face turned grim. The monsters do the bidding of the goat man. They force us to work each day. If we don't, he threatens to keep our children forever. Abeni stared at her in shock. The goat man did this, Asha said. She held a brittle grass stalk in her hand. Damju's mother nodded. He and his monsters brought this blight. The rivers have dried up. The soil has turned to dust. Everything dies. Abeni inhaled. So that was who had hurt Asha's sister. This goat man. Have you tried to fight them, she asked, to get your children back? Damju's mother looked at her with eyes that quivered. We don't dare. Her words were ended by a terrible sound. A horn, low and booming to break through the morning. It blared so loud, the air seemed to shake around them. Abeni felt a new chill creep up her back. Like the song, she had heard this horn before. They've come! Damju's mother said. She turned to her daughter. You can't stay here any longer. It's too dangerous. Mama, Damju clutched her mother's arms. Don't go. Come with me, please. The woman's eyes wavered and her face fell. I can't, Damju. They'll know one of us is missing. I have to keep your brother safe. She stroked her daughter's cheek before leaving the cave to disappear into the tall grass. Abeni watched her go, then jumped up to follow. Zania grabbed her arm. What are you doing? 
I want to see these monsters, she said. Are you crazed? The panther girl asked. You can't just... I wasn't asking your permission, Abeni said curtly. Zanita stared for a moment before releasing her grip. So, you're making decisions now for all of us, are you? How very mortal of you. Abeni didn't respond. She threw on her sandals and crawled out of the cave, squinting at the morning sunlight. Crouching, she crept forward through the tall grass. Behind her, she could hear the others following. Her heart pounded like a drum and her mind was on fire. All she could think about was that horn. Reaching where the grass grew short, she pushed aside the dry stalks to see the nearby village of Kono and gasped. There were monsters. They looked like great big men, taller than any one she'd ever seen. Corded and knotted muscles showed beneath their skin the color of grayish rock. Their broad bare chests were covered in unknown ghostly symbols, Continuing along their arms and legs, she couldn't make out their faces hidden by large masks of wood and iron, leaving only mouths and chins visible. Each carried swords with jagged edges and spears with twisted blades. Some looked like very tall women. Long, sharp, curving blades like polished bone grew from the backs of their forearms and hung past their knees. Each was wrapped in tattered crimson cloth held together with bits of metal. The monsters gathered up the villagers. With snarls and roars, they pushed the slower ones, dragged them from their homes with whips and threats. The people cowered before them, fear etched on their faces. Where do they come from? Abeni asked Damju, who crouched beside her. I don't know, the girl answered. One day they were just here. Your mother said they keep the children prisoner. Damju nodded, and as Abeni watched, the monsters marched their captives away. They walked out of the village, past its low stone walls, and into the valley. They're coming this way, Naomi squeaked. The porcupine girl was right. With no time to run, they lay low in the tall grass. Naomi, don't vanish, Abeni whispered. They'll smell the flowers. The porcupine girl's black eyes remained wide, but she didn't vanish. Soon the monsters were upon them. They passed by, trampling the stalks and setting the ground to tremble. The monster in the lead wore a mask with spikes of iron. When a villager stumbled, he turned with a snarl, showing a mouth of sharp teeth. Another monster grabbed the man by the neck with a clawed hand, lifting him off his feet before throwing him to the ground. Abeni flinched as a whip came down several times before he was pushed roughly back in line. When the procession finally passed, she rose to follow. The others came up behind, all except Zania, who fell in at her side. Why are we doing this? The panther girl whispered urgently. I want to see what they're doing, Abeni said. To what end? 
When Abeni didn't answer, the girl growled in irritation. Just try not to get us killed. They continued to follow the monsters and the villagers, making sure to keep a safe distance. It was a while later that they finally stopped. They were still in the valley, but the village was no longer in sight. Here, the land was nothing more than the tall, dry stalks that grew out of fractured earth. Then, one by one, both captors and captives disappeared. They were descending into something, Abani realized. Waiting until all of them were gone, she crawled on her stomach until she came to where the tall grass grew sparse. There she saw it. Cut into the ground was a pit, like a giant had dug a square hole into the earth and scooped away all the dirt. It was massive, wide enough that she imagined several houses could fit inside and so deep that rickety wooden ladders were placed to allow people to climb down. But no giant had done this. Inside were the villagers. Many were digging up and hauling away large rocks. Some crawled along smaller ladders and used clay pots to throw soil onto a growing mound. Most squatted and sifted dirt through flat baskets. It looked as if they were searching for something. Elsewhere, a fire raged inside the pit and numerous villagers worked tending to it. They pumped leather sacks of air and beat noisily on things that glowed orange with heat. All around them, the monsters kept a close watch, lashing their captives to work faster. What are they doing, Naomi asked, looking down confused. Who knows, Ania grumbled. Mortals are always digging about for things. I don't know what they're looking for, Benny said. But the ones near the fires, they're making iron. In our village, the blacksmiths made iron that way, but I've never seen so much. Maybe it's for that, Naomi said. Abeni followed the porcupine girl's gaze. Rising out of the pit was a towering structure. It looked to her like a giant serpent of dark iron that twisted and curved and growing larger and higher as it went. She'd been so intent on the villagers, she hadn't even noticed the thing. What is it? Damju asked. What is it you see? Abeni shook her head. I'm not sure. Asha settled beside her and tilted her head. It's for making music, she observed. Everyone turned to the small girl whose fingers now traced the air along this strange iron monstrosity. You blow into it there, and then sound will go all around and come out up there. She pointed to a wide, flaring opening at the top. It's a horn, Abeni murmured. They'd had horns in her village for making music, but they were small things of wood or bone, nothing like this. All this for some music? Naomi asked, puzzled. For the wish song, Abeni realized. What else could it be? But it's not finished. She indicated gaps in the structure where bits of iron still needed to be fitted. 
Why would these monsters need such a thing? Damju asked. Abeni thought she knew. A horn like that could reach much further than your village. It would bring children from all over. Damju recoiled in horror. That's awful. But for what purpose? Zania asked. Your mother said the children of your village were stolen to make their parents work. Why force them to build something just to get more children? Why even bring the children of Abeni's village here? Abeni bit her lip and thought. Zania was right. They were missing something. Maybe we should ask him, Naomi said. She gestured shakingly to a figure who was climbing to stand atop a mound of broken and jagged rocks beneath the iron contraption. He was a monster like the rest, only even bigger. Thick white goat skin covered his forearms, while furry pelts hung from his waist. Most of his face was hidden away by a great mask of goat horns, some twisted and curving, some straight and jutting in every direction. He looked down at the other monsters and the villagers alike, overseeing their work. Zania let out a hiss. The goat man. Abeni nodded. He looked every bit as terrifying as the day he'd entered her village and stolen away her friends. But what held her attention now was what stood behind him. It was a large strip of red cloth hanging from a pole embedded into the rock. On it was a single fiery orange teardrop, the standard of the witch priest. Okay, so Asha's sister, which is the valley that reached out to them in the dreams, letting them know that the children of night had been taken A while back, that was over a year ago. So this has been going on because that was back when Abeni was just 12 and she's 13 now. So that horn has been being built for a while and it took took a while for the valley to be destroyed in the way it was being destroyed. Wow. It's a lot going on, boy, oh boy, oh boy. And the witch priest is, he's accomplishing all his evil goals. He's snatching the children. I don't know who these monsters are, but they're part of the witch priest's army. And then the goat man, he's just, evil personify literally making the villagers work I mean they enslave them and the thing is the vill- the people of that village could actually when they're not there they could get away but if they leave 
their children, they'd be leaving their children in the hands of that evil man. So they're trying to do as he's requesting with the hope that they'll get their children. And they don't even think about fighting back because he kidnapped their children. Wow. So, of course, they didn't, when they were stronger, they didn't fight back. Now they're weaker and weaker and weaker. So, fighting back. And how would they fight those humongous monsters? Wow. There's a lot going on. I'll tell you one thing. Abani is one brave little girl. She is determined. I mean, she's on this journey. She's committed to it. Oh, my goodness. So at least now she knows where the goat man is. They're kind of getting an idea of what is going on. He's building a bigger horn to pull even more children. What do they want with the children? Why are they snatching up all these children? And they're digging into the ground, forcing people to work. I swear it reminds me of colonization. So the continent of Africa has a lot of mining. Europeans, colonizers have come in and done a lot of mining in various areas all across the continent. Um, Using children, using political, all kinds of things have happened on the continent. Um... Yeah, this is, is, is the parallels with reality are striking. Um, and people will say, like, how did it happen? But it was spiritual warfare. It wasn't just coming in with a sword. Definitely was spiritual warfare. And then I'm a descendant of Africans who were stolen away and taken away on ghost ships. But then there were also the colonizers who stayed there and made people work towards their agenda, the agenda of the colonizers to this day. That's a different book. Um, How are these now five girls? So three spirits, one mortal girl, and one blind girl. How are they going to fight the goat man, the monsters, and the witch priest? It seems so impossible, right? Oh my goodness. Until next chapter.